Life's an adventure, so go out and live it. I'm Paris Norris, and this is my 5.30. Hey guys, this week we are joined by Paris Norris, also known as the guy in Dubai. Some of you may have heard or know of Paris already. He's a TV personality, a motivational speaker, ocean conservationist, adventurer, and so much more. A natural storyteller, Paris uses his real-life adventures to inspire and draw powerful lessons that can be applied practically to leadership and teamwork scenarios across business and even your personal life. His relentless spirit and commitment to conquering challenges inspire others to reach for the extraordinary. Enjoy! Paris, thanks so much for coming to the podcast. We're extremely happy and grateful that you made time for us. We know you're a very busy guy and always on the go. Thanks a lot for inviting me along. And uh, I live just around the corner, so actually it was absolutely no problem. (laughs) We're neighbors. (laughs) You didn't know that. How cool is that? Tell us how you first came to Dubai and what led that decision. Right. So the decision really came around when I was leaving university and everybody starts to get the idea of what they want to do. Um, Since I started university, I wanted to get into finance, into banking, be an investment banker. That's why I did finance at university. Everybody else from the start had no idea what they wanted to do. I would talk to people who were doing medicine and say, so what do you want to be when you finish? I don't know. I'm like, maybe a doctor. You know, like... (laughs) Um, uh, and it, uh, but by the time we got to the end of university, everybody wanted to be in banking and be an investment banker. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> and at the same time, we had a financial crisis, right? 2008, everybody's getting fired. Mm-hmm. I, went, I went to m- meetings where I'd say, you know, how did I do? And they said, yeah, great. I'm like, do you think there's a chance? They're like, well, don't hang on to anything, Paris. <laughs> like we fired 8,000 people this morning. So, so it was just, it was just catastrophe in terms of, you know, trying to start a career in the kind of thing that I had got qualified in. So I'd set my eyes on, right. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. That's really where this was going. Um, so I was like, right, let's just fast forward that. You know, I didn't need to get a job at a big company in order to teach me how to do that. And I always had this concept in my mind that if I'm going to get experience abroad, which would be very valuable in the long run, that I should do it early. So I was like, right, I came up with a business idea. We thought we had some funding for it to set up a, a business focused on expatriates. So we wanted to do it either Singapore, Hong Kong, Dubai was growing mm-hmm. big at the time, maybe even the US. And we pinpointed it down to Dubai, came out here. You know, the place was, I think they said like, 35% of the world's cranes were all in Dubai at one time. That's a lot in 2008, 2009. Yeah. Exactly. And everything halted. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So so this was just before. So this was like as it was at the peak of hype. Yeah. Burj Khalifa was two-thirds built. And me and my friend were like, wow, this is... Well, I think what really took me was was like, this place has a plan. Like, yeah. I know, I've never been anywhere where, where it's like, right, guys... This is the plan. This is what we're doing for the next 10, 20, 30 years, right? Get moving. We don't have that in the UK. Like we don't have a clear mm-hmm. defined plan. And if we did, it would be scrapped the next time a, gov- a new government comes in. So, so I was like, you know, maybe the financial crisis will hit here. Maybe it'd be bad. Maybe it won't, but it will hit here probably. But there's a plan and that plan will, will continue beyond that. And so I, I went back and 
you know, raised the money and moved out here shortly afterwards. Um, but it was, uh, I was inspired by the vision. And, um, you know, I think I can say 14 years on and I'm still here and the vision has continued to unfold um, that uh, it, was, it was the right decision. Was that your first business venture outside of university? Um, it was my first business venture after university. I'd, my first business venture was at school when I was uh, about 16. I went to a school that was a big sports school. And um, I set up a, a business selling sports supplements. Um, me and my friend, he had a good deal going on with the supplier. So he kind of partnered with me because he was like, look, you're better at talking to people and I've got the supply. And I was like, good idea. So I was head of sales. He was head of, you know, supply. And we were getting these things for like, I seem to remember we get like a, a tub of protein for eight pounds. And I was selling it for about, 30 pounds, <laughs> wow. but depend, but I had a bit of price discrimination because I knew who everybody's fathers mm -hmm. were. So <laughs> it, I knew if they had a rich father, I'd probably double it. And it was funny because my, my business studies teacher caught on to this because I never did any work in class, right? But he goes, and he was a funny guy called Mr. Shaw. And he was from up north, he's at Paris, it's a waste of time, <laughs> right? If Paris is protein, buys is protein for Paris. How much do you buy protein for? Eight pounds. And then you're like, right, eight pounds. And then and then you're like, what do you sell your protein for? And then someone at <laughs> the back of the class would be like, he sold it to me for 60 quid, sir. <laughs> and then that's 60 quid. Paris is making net profit of da -da 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 -da. And I was all of a sudden becoming very unpopular as my business studies teacher was un unfolding how much money I was making. But, but you know what? We we had more, more money than we knew what to do with at that point in time. Um, I was making a lot of money as a 16-year-old. And um, it was kind of cool. Um, I wish at that time I had a little bit more brains and we had turned our school business of selling supplements um, and just taken a bit of that money and worked out how to create a website. And if we could have sold sports supplements on a web page and just figured out how Google works and getting, yeah. right? We'd be billionaires by now, right? Um, yeah. But of course, didn't have that foresight at that point in time. Easy to look backwards, not so easy to mm -hmm. know at the time what was the opportunity. But, uh, you know, 2001, 2002, that would have been a great time to... That was just like the rise of like Amazon. Not even there. <laughs> yeah. They were just like starting. Yeah, so that, that would have been cool. But yeah, so that was my first business venture. After school, um, I joined sort of hands with my brother, and we were raising, he's a lot older than me and he'd been involved in finance and stuff. And we were raising money for wind farm projects in India. And I'll be honest with you, I was I was just learning. You know, I was getting mm -hmm. involved in all this stuff. But, you know, it was kind of fun for me to, to understand, you know, to, first of all, to talk big money. You know, we were talking millions, you know, and, and, you know, what was I doing at 18 years old, you know, negotiating fees over, you know, um, you know, a contract that's sending $15 million over to India to invest in a wind farm project. But it was kind of cool to understand how it all worked, all about incorporations, all this stuff. So when I went to university, I went with the mindset of, I'm going to set up a business. So let's do business studies and learn how to do this. So I had a reason to be there. Um, and yeah, it was it was good. So I, I knew pretty much when I came out that I wanted to set up a business. Wow. What was Dubai like for you in those early stages? 
you know, I loved it because there was, it was kind of um, everything was a rumor. Like, what's going to happen? Who knows? You know, the, <laughs> that's so true. That's true because it's, it's the, the only established like structure back then was like the Burj Arab, which is and yeah. then virtually, if I remember, it came here in two thousand nine. It was two thirds done. Yeah, there was no metro. Um, yeah. they only opened like late September. So everything um, you see now, yeah, was all was all a rumor, and but there were other rumors too. So, you know, we heard we 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 can see what happened about the rumor of the Burj Khalifa. Yeah, we can't yet see what happened to the rumor of Nikhil Tower, which was going to be one point six kilometers high. Um, you know, there's all these other things that were taking place. They were going to build a building that was a kilometer cubed. They were building um, uh, one that was going to be a big dome, and they were going to air condition the whole thing and create a city underneath it. Um, all sorts of stuff. So, so there was a lot flying around. What ended up happening and what didn't, you know, that 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 was to be seen. Yeah. Um, uh, but it was kind of cool. It was, I guess, that was kind of. It felt free because over the years, I do feel that Dubai has sort of regulated and put laws around everything. Um, where back then there was still a lot more fluidity. So it, it was kind of fun. You know, it's kind of cool. I think now nothing happens in Dubai unless it's organized. You know, absolutely. There, there's no unorganized chaos. Yeah. And I like all unorganized chaos. Um, I like that. And that's what gives places, you know, I'm talking about, I was going to say like places like um, South America. I've never been to South America, but I get this feeling that there's this kind of like vibe uh, because mm -hmm. of the chaos, uh, which I like. Even in London, we have that, you know, things can just happen, you know, because people want it to happen. But here, it doesn't work like that. You know, everything happens because it was organized, which I think takes a lot of the fun out of it. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with, the, with, the, with that business, like venturing here in Dubai and then the trajectory of that career, what? how did that come about? Because now you're... You're famous as the, you're well known as the guy in Dubai. Could you let us know how you shifted from a very financial background into like a hardcore person who's done it all? Like literally and technically has done it all. Yeah, well, it, it really was a um, sort of product of these businesses that had failed. And they had failed after, you know, working on them nighttime, daytime, weekends, Christmas day. Um, and then they didn't work out for one reason or another. And it wasn't because business didn't work. In both cases, it was a partnership issue uh, where that, that had just conflicted. And I came to the realization that I can't keep going on sacrificing everything that I have and I might never have an actual success in terms of reaching the end goal that I want to get to. Mm -hmm. But if I focus on finding a business where the journey is actually what I want, you know, and is giving me the life that I want to live, um, then I don't mind if I get to the end or, or when I get to the end. It doesn't matter because the journey is what I want. And then I just sat there for like a minute trying to visualize what would that be if I could do whatever I want to do? Because trust me, it wasn't sitting at home going through financial numbers in my room because that's what I've been doing for the last mm -hmm. few years before. 
I was like, well, I want to climb Mount Everest. I want to row oceans. I want to uh, dive to shipwrecks. I want to... Had you always been like an outdoorsy, adventurous guy? Or was this just kind of more pipe dream things that you'd seen and heard other people do? Yeah, I I, I was born in a forest. And I, 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 I grew up for 19 years in a forest uh, where when I was bored, I'd just go out and go and meet tree houses and go take walks and catch animals and things like this. So... Um, I didn't realize at the time that that was so deeply ingrained in me. But but then when I, I moved, before I moved to the UAE, part a sort of stepping stone was that I was in Oman for three years. And Oman's amazing for outdoor adventures. So we were every weekend out in the wadis and in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And I realized I loved it. So, um, so yes, it was kind of always there, but there was a lot of, a lot of kind of undiscovered stuff. A lot of things I wanted to do, which I, which I um, hadn't done. So, so I painted this picture for myself, you know, I like parties, I like traveling. I want, I, I want to make sure that every Christmas I'm with my family, you know, certain things like that, you know, smaller things. And I thought, okay, well, how can I create a business? What business would allow that? Or how do I make money out of that? And then I just was like, oh, that's easy. You just make a TV show about a guy who goes and does all this stuff. And then you put it on channel and then you get sponsors on. And because I'd had a bit of business experience, that kind of model I understood and made sense. And I was, as an entrepreneur, always trying to figure out how I can get money up front for stuff. Because I had understood from a, a deal I had done um, here in Dubai where we were trying to create a series of videos that if you have a channel that has an audience on board, that then you can go and get sponsors to pay you upfront for what you're about to do to get that audience. And then you go and create the production with their money in order to do it, right? So what I didn't have to do was pay for a production out of my own money, which I didn't have. Uh, in order, you know, I could see how I could make this happen, mm. you know, with money up front from from sponsors. All I needed to do is convince some kind of channel that this is uh, that that this would be cool. And I was like, well, I can do that because I've already kind of done things in that space, like just through the work I'd done. Um, and so that was the plan. I realized there was a, a triangle there that, you know, you've got production, audience, money, and they all work together. And you just kind of tell a little bit of a bullshit that you've got the sponsors to the channel, that you've got the channel to the sponsors, <laughs> right? And then it yeah. it was a lie until it became true, right? And then and then and now it's all true. So then you you uh you uh then can create your production and do what you said you would do and how did that feel? Because again, sponsors, they would they they were paying you basically off of potential because yeah. the product's not there yet. It's sort mm-hmm. of like an in, there's like an incubation period. Yeah. Uh, the first episode, how did that go? Oh, looking back at it, it was a pretty boring episode. I mean, initially we were doing we sort of did what we considered to be our pilot episodes. Mm-hmm. No sponsors, no money involved. Let's get something filmed so that we can show it to people and see like, see, we make good videos, this is what we're gonna do. Um, we did um, um, something in Rasakema, the first ever video. And I was thinking, let's make these things 20 minute long, you know, we'll do loads easy, of- consume snackable. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I thought 20 minutes, that, that would be, that'd be good. When we edited it, it got to about two minutes, 20 seconds. <laughs> and, and the guy I was working with, he was, he was like, Paris, like, that's about as interesting <laughs> as it gets. You need more things in it if you want to make it longer. Otherwise, we're just, you know, 
otherwise it's just very, very dull, right? So, so then I realized a lot more work has to be done to, to, you know, have different things that we can bring into them, more story, more information, you know, and that, and that's over the years, um, you know, got more and more of a, uh, operation is, is building this pre-production. Um, initially I didn't even know what pre-production was. <laughs> and then I realized we need a lot of planning. We need to have the interview we need lots of people to interview we need to have questions ready for them we need to uh think about where we're gonna have some action and drama but then you know where we're gonna bring in some information and substance and so over the years we've built that more and more um but yeah the first video looking back yeah, it's horrible to look at, look at it it's like <laughs> but it was, it's always like that you yeah, like like that when, yeah well the first podcast to be honest when we recorded our first episode yeah. it was in november 2022 yeah we parked it until march 2023 because we didn't like to hear our voice i don't even think i listened to it until like <laughs> august that year and so then I can't we recorded it at the top of like the highest the infinity pool in the world and then we didn't realize that there's like water just like creeping through the background so i was like shit yeah. how do we edit the noise out yeah and then so like for like a couple of months we were just like dreading it and we we're just like you know what the first episode is gonna suck yeah we have to admit it but, but that's but that's what you gets just, you going yeah right? exactly you, you need to start, start somewhere yeah. you have to start exactly so we then did four pilot episodes uh got osn to agree that was the first channel um they also agreed to pay us some money for each episode so i didn't necessarily need the sponsors on right yeah that's so that's cool yeah it wasn't much money but um but like the timing of it all isn't really incredible because nowadays this is such a thing where everyone's out there creating content whether it's on their phone or trying to kind of get to the stage that you're at now but well it's interesting it so because ago. i really rejected social media um i'm just under the, and i still stand by it I, I can see that mm -hmm. through because you don't post a lot of uh, stuff about what's happening with the guy in Dubai and all these things, but it's more of like your personal life and what you believe in and all these things. Um, yeah. What's your viewpoint on that? Like, yeah. Like well, I, I, I was always doing this for business, right? Now, when I speak with people who have YouTube channels, even those that have millions of subscribers, their business model sucks. They're asking me how to make money. You know, I make 50 to $70,000 for a 45 minute episode. You know, that's what we're bringing in in revenue. Mm -hmm. They're making $2,000 an episode. So they could don't have, and they get that afterwards. So they can't use that as production money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, so as a business model for me, that doesn't look cool. As a promotional tool, okay, it's cool because it's so easily to get things out there. But I've, I, I just, you know, I had, you, from what I've just told you about my vision, you know, where I wanted to create this epic lifestyle. I wanted to climb Everest, I wanted to row oceans, I wanted to do these things. That's a, that's a big orchestration. That deserves a proper production. That needs production money. Um, so the what I saw with social media and YouTube, I thought YouTube could be an avenue for us. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in some ways maybe it can be, but but, to be successful on those channels and on YouTube, you need to be consistently producing things um, and quite frequently. You know, they say like once a week or something like this. And I think also more in terms of what the audience wants rather than actually what you necessarily want to do and achieve on a personal level, which I think was the original goal for the whole thing in the first place. Dead on. Yeah. And you've got to pick on topics that are being searched about, right? Yeah. So, so... 
I realized that, you know, it depends. If you want to do something, if you, you want to be successful at YouTube, then you've got to be, you've got to be a YouTuber, right? You've got to deliver mm -hmm. that. You've got to be delivering frequently, consistently. Um, and it probably because of that, it's not going to be such high quality production. It's, it's not sustainable too. Like it's mentally and physically taxing. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to do things quickly, right? Mm -hmm. So, it's, you know, it's just a simple thing, quality or quantity mm -hmm. for social media and, and YouTube. It's quantity. Um, Netflix on the other side are wanting quality. Now, you look at the amount of money that those guys are making in Netflix. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah. So people people say, ah, oh, but TV's dead. It's like, is it? The TV's changed, but it's not dead. Mm -hmm. TV is Netflix and Amazon Prime and things like this. Mm -hmm. stuff. Everything's subscription based now. Yeah. Yeah. And let's take, for example, Nims Perger as an example, mm -hmm. the guy who did 14 Peaks. Uh, nobody had ever heard about him beforehand. Afterwards, I'm sure he's got a very successful speaking career. I would imagine he could probably make $50,000 a pop. Um, uh, he couldn't probably make any other show he wants to make after that. He's got tens of millions of followers on social media now. Um, and you know, uh, there was, there was money flying around. So, uh, I, I believe that that's if as an entrepreneur, somebody who wanted to set up a business and, and do something with a business model, that's the way to go. Um, and so social media, I look at it as, uh, it can be one of two things. It can be a promotional tool for what you do, which is what it is for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just small bite-sized stuff of what we're up to. Or if you want to go down that road of, um, developing, uh, an actual career out of it, um, you've got to do it for what other people want, not necessarily for what you want. And, um, uh, you can bring out success stories from it. You know, like, is it Mr. Beast is sort of making- Mr. Beast makes like, I was watching one of his videos and one of the interviews were like, we literally like for every production, he spends millions of dollars. Yeah. But really? so he gets like 10 times more. Wow. What, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, that's a, I'm glad that he takes it that way because yeah. the way that we have to do things in TV is you have to spend a lot on production. So your profit's not that great. Okay, yeah. In terms of the profit you can make on on YouTube, I've got friends who, you know, do things with their own cameras and don't don't spend too much money. Uh, so all that money that they make from advertising basically goes in their pocket, which is great. You know, so actually as an income on that level, it's quite, quite good. But I think if you want to make something really good, you know, yeah. obviously he's done well, you've got to reinvest it all. Um, and I think he also says he doesn't make any money. He puts, everything, he puts back. everything back into yeah. the business. Yeah. yeah. He's got like t teams, like yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Which is, I mean, which is the, which is what building a business is about yeah. is putting money back into growing it. And I'm sure at some stage, I mean, he's a young guy, so I'm sure he can say to himself, you know what, I'll start making profit when I'm 35 and need the money. Because he, need, he can easily do that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he's got like the power, like gone into the days where he's just like, okay, yeah. like make money out of like AdSense. Exactly. You know? So, so the point I was going to make there was, you know, as for every success story on YouTube, you've got to go through probably hundreds of thousands to millions of people who never made really anything. Yeah. You know I mean? And I can't do that. I can't, I can't, you know, hit and hope, you know what I mean? Um, I, I like the idea of signing a deal before I've even made it or spent any money 
and going out and creating it for that. That that for me is a business that I could uh, I could get excited about. But, that's um, that's yeah. that's really nice. So when it comes to uh, all the episodes, how do you think of these like craziness? Yeah, I was going to ask <laughs> for someone who hasn't seen an episode of your show, like what is it? What do you do? And how has that changed over the seasons? Um, so yeah, the, the inspiration comes from all angles. Um, uh, you know, I remember just sat there having a coffee in, in, uh, downtown looking up at the Burj Khalifa and seeing the guys clean the windows. And I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> and I was like, those guys are like the... Tom- that's quite rare, I think. Most people are like, wow, that's so dangerous. <laughs> Let me take that's a crazy. picture and keep it And you're there. like, oh, I want to get up there. Yeah, but then, you know, I talk with people. I have this kind of idea in my head. I spoke with my best mate who's in kind of the construction field. And he said, oh, yeah, that, that's rope access companies. He told me which one has the contract for, for there. And I got in touch with them and I did the training and now I'm qualified as a rope access window cleaner. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're filming it this season. So, so I was sitting there looking at having a coffee, but that was maybe four or five years ago. It was 2017 actually, I remember. Yeah. So that's six years ago. So I, um, you know, it starts off as an idea and, or someone tells me something and I'm like, oh, that's really cool and interesting. Like someone told me that um, they've got a friend who's a marine biologist and she studies dugongs. And I was like, what the hell is that? And they're like, it's a bit like a manatee, but the, Abu Dhabi is the is the most populous place in the world for dugongs. I, was like, I didn't know that. I've never even yeah. heard of that. Yeah, not many people have. Um, and when I looked into it, they, they um, there's a lot of tales around them because they're, they're sort of what's most links to mermaids. People thought they were mermaids. They look like them in some ways. And there's a lot of um, sort of old tales from the, from the pearl diving days of these uh, mermaids that would, you know, appear. So in this season, we're going with the conservation group to plant um, cameras underwater uh, as part of a conservation project um, supported by Abu Dhabi Ports Company to monitor and because they're very shy you can't just find them um but they they inhabit abu dhabi because it's such shallow waters mm-hmm. um so it's amazing so 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 here you know this is a story we should all be telling everyone about you know but when people come to the uae and say oh it's just a modern place with nothing interest like there's no look nature. around man yeah like, look around like yeah. yeah so it's like well with the you know, the hotspot, the epicenter of dugongs, you know, funnily <laughs> enough. So, so we're going to go hopefully find them. We've got some great footage uh, already from the conservation group that we're working with. And, um, you know, this came around from somebody just mentioning it to me, me thinking, I want to discover dugongs because as an adventure, it means scuba diving, means, means going out on boats. It means getting out into nature. Um, so, so I thought, you know, let's, uh, let's do that. Um, and, on your question about how has it changed over the years, it certainly started off a bit kind of, uh, you know, me trying to do crazy things, right? To get a reaction or to kind of, what were you, what was that trying to kind of achieve? I, yeah, I guess it was just trying to get some, make sure the videos were exciting. You know, I, want, I, wanted, I wanted something exciting. I wanted to do exciting stuff. So you know, zip lining and things like this. And and so it was focused around extreme things. And over the years, it's become a little less extreme, more of an adventure thing and built in a lot more of 
um, cultural storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like we did a great episode recently about um, Arabic music and the ode, yeah. you know, the lute. And I found it super interesting because all of the instruments that we play, like the guitar you have there, right, originated from this region, right? Um, the piano originated from the Canaan, uh, from mm-hmm. this region. So back in the time of Mesopotamia, which was the first civilization that we know of. The cradle of a civilization, yeah. That's right. That, that's where a lot of instruments started to come around. And the, the earliest one of which we know is is uh, the Ode, which, you know, every every uh, region has its own version, like the Zatar, we have the guitar, the Spanish guitar. So, you know, when, when Spain talks about flamenco music and things like this, it's like, yeah, well, that came around because the first ever uh, music school in Europe was put there during the time that uh, and, um, Andalusia was part of it, the emirate. It was, a, it was an emirate yeah. of the Arab region. The people from Baghdad set up the first music schools in Europe. So, so it's interesting. So we, we looked into that and we had this amazing guy called Nasir um, Al-Sharma, who is the world's best and most famous Aoud player, uh, talk us through everything. He was just, That's amazing. Fan- he was fantastic. And, 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 and he made the episode. So that was a, a cultural discovery. We're doing a lot more also around conservation. So mangroves, dugongs, as I mentioned, uh, turtle conservation. We're doing a shark release. Um, and because I've been involved in a lot of outdoor activities, you do start to think, well, this is great. I want to promote outdoor activities, but you know, I also want us to appreciate the environment. And really. also educate like a lot of people who don't even know a lot of things about the UAE. Mm. I've once like I met a couple of like um, uh, friends from abroad. It was their first time in the UAE. A friend of mine called me. He's like, "Hey, we're landing in the UAE in Dubai for like five hours. Could you show us around? Because these guys have never been." And then when I when I picked them up at three a.m. It was all so dark, so I had to take them all around and explain everything. And they're like, man, I didn't know about these things. I thought it was just like steel. Yeah. Um, right. So, so the one, the one it, thing that grates me when people live here but don't get involved or visit and they go to the Five Palm and all these things, yeah. right? And they don't see anything. They say, oh, Dubai's got no history. Dubai's got no culture. Wrong. Right. <laughs> so full of history. Yeah. Not only is it full of history. <laughs> But the oldest archaeological findings on the planet outside of Africa of human remains is here in the UAE, in Maliha. 200,000 years ago, there were people here. Um, and there has been civilization for the last 7,000 years in Jafar and Rasakema. So we, we did a, an episode. Again, I wanted to beat what people say about and not having history because I, it was a whole historical episode going through the archaeological findings and piecing together time of the UAE because the UAE as it stands now is a little segment of the Middle East region, the most significant region in terms of how civilization started and in terms of having a thick history. Um, you know, we, we is the most uh, vibrant area on the planet that we know of. I mean, I was just looking the other day and, you know, the oldest thing that we know of in, in, in Britain is Stonehenge. And, you know, that, that's around 2,600 uh, BCE. Um, so that's five, you know, four, four and a half, five thousand years old. I mean, that's even like the, what was going on in this region at that time, <laughs> even crazy. go further back. Yeah. Uh, there was heaps going on, you know. Um, so, so, 
you know, it's a small piece of a big region, but it was interconnected by trade routes and, and um, you know, people would come mainly to the mountains of Rasakama and Oman because there was copper there. And during the Bronze Age, copper was what they mixed mm -hmm. with tin in order to make um, bronze, which was what was the kind of technical revolution in terms of tools. Um, so it was a it was a place that people came 7,000 years ago um, and it was vibrant and they were trading and they were playing things similar to guitars and stuff like this. That, that's what's amazing. That's like everything's interconnected. So I, I always think about when I, I frequent the desert, like especially in the cooler months, when I go to like Pink Rock and I'll be like, I wonder how it was like 7,000 years ago when it was like under the sea. Like I wish they had videos or anything or someone who could just like, you know, have written like a book or something. Yeah. Like to tell us like, this is what happened like at this time, yeah. you know, like contrary to like what, what's happening now and you can just like put videos and everything, Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's, I'm curious to know though, like, are there any, um, specific moments where you're just like, wow, I love what I'm doing. Obviously there's usually just like all the time, whatever episode, <laughs> every time we film. Really? Yeah. So for me, the, the pinnacle of it all is the filming because I know that's what everybody sees and what everybody thinks I do. But actually, 98% of the work is the planning, the getting the sponsors. I'm sat on my laptop most of the time on phone calls. This is what this is what business is. When you left your like the finance career that you had previously, how far into this journey were you at when you realized that it had legs to kind of keep going and that it was going to be a success well actually it didn't quite work out like that i i stopped everything i was doing to work on this it was a, it was an i an idea that had been brewing in my head for a while i at the time i had the idea which could have been the time where i started the idea but it wasn't i ended up getting funding for another project so i went and did that um but then it became more and more clear that i've got to focus on what i'm passionate about because I wasn't really invested fully in the business I was in mm -hmm. because it, I, it wasn't just that I wasn't truly passionate about it. I wasn't truly passionate about the nuts and bolts of it, but I also you know, I knew what I was truly passionate about. And I remember going on a walk with uh, a friend of mine. She was like, Paris, stop what you're doing. You need to change now. I can hear it. This is what you want to do. And I was like, okay, she's right. Let's do it. So, so, so I, I knew what it was, and then um, that business sort of slowly failed, and and in the end we had to cut it off. So now it was clear at least what I want to do. But the problem was, is I'd lost a bit of money in the last business, so I was like, God, you know, like I was mm -hmm. expecting to get something out of that. Nothing. Um, didn't really have anything at that time, and it was a bit difficult starting again. You know, I'd I'd started when I left university from nothing and we, we made it happen and raised the money, we made it happen and did another business. But it was a bit more difficult when you're, I think I was 32, 32. And it's like, you know, now, you know, don't have any money. It's and like a pre midlife crisis. Yeah. yeah. But also an age where people are really expecting you to like get married. Yes. Start a family, buy a house. Well, that was what was or, difficult is it's like, you know, you can be broke when you're 24. Yeah. Um, you could probably get away with it when you're 28, but when you're 32, you know, girls are really expecting you to take them out for dinner. And it <laughs> better be pretty nice. Uh, they're expecting you to pick, pick them up in a car. And, you know, so it really wasn't doing much for my dating life. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, 
I was just, you know, it's tempting. You know, your friends are getting mortgages and getting houses, getting married. Mm -hmm. It's tempting to go, you know what, why don't I take the easier route? But, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm happy where I've got to now and, and um, I'm glad I did it that way round um, because it, it, I, if I had taken that route, I tell you what, if I was starting now, I'm 38, yeah. doing what I had just done and just starting the next uh, five, six years that I've just done now, no thank you. <laughs> no thank you. I, I, I could do it then, you know, yeah. um, I, could, I could just about do it then. Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to restart now. That's no, I think start like that. I think the whole concept of like starting over is mentally it's so challenging. I think it's what stops so many people from starting anything in the first place. There's a lot of it's a real like true character trait. I think to be able to just really go for it. Yeah, definitely a character trait. You definitely got it in you, or you don't, because a lot of people I know they. It's hard for me to understand. I always think, what do you got to lose? Give it a go. You know, like, like yeah. fine, you're going to be broke for a couple of years. So, you know, yeah. but, but then, like, that's where I've come from. But other people not come from, like, being broke is not comfortable for them at all. They can't handle it. They can't handle the um, unpredictability and lack of security. And if you're not that type of person, then... then um, uh, it's going to take a toll on you. It's not going to help you at all. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So luckily I, for whatever reason, I could handle a bit of rough and tumble and, and unpredictability and, you know, it was okay. I don't mean to pry, but what was the lowest point of your career? Hmm. Of, of, in, in a work sense. Yeah. Work sense. Hmm. Good question. Um, it's hard to pick out something, but I tell you what, it wasn't any of the struggles early on. I enjoyed those. I was happy. So it wasn't that time. It was a bit of a difficult time when COVID hit and I had built a team, small team, and I couldn't afford to keep them on anymore. And we didn't have any work. Um, and yeah, that was sad. And then I went back to zero again. Um, and, uh, uh, it sort of felt like I was going backwards, but then that again was an, a nice realization in the sense that I knew that we had hit rock bottom, but I loved what I'm doing. So there was only one thing to do is to get myself back up again, where I knew that other people weren't really in the game because they were truly passionate and they might be in competing businesses that. Uh, and when they've hit rock bottom, they'll see that as a way out. They're saying, this isn't working for us, you know. But I was like, well, it's not working for us, but we'll make it work, you know. So so that was a, a particularly difficult time. Um, um, you know, it's, um, I'm quite thankful to say there's nothing really that's that's. That's good. And I think you, you've trained your life yourself to like battle through all these like adversities and yeah. Whatever happens to you, you're just like going to face it even more yeah. stronger. Well, I can certainly say my my more negative times in my career have been before I started this journey with mm -hmm. what I'm doing now with these TV shows. Um, at the time I had this epiphany, 
um, you know, right, do something you love. It had come out of a very negative place, which was two businesses had failed. Both of them had failed because of partnership issues. And the last one had got quite ugly. It, it even got to the point where we were in, you know, in legal kind of matters and, mm -hmm. you know, and it got very, uh, very sort of like I was being attacked by the people that I thought were my partners and friends and, and that got ugly. Um, and that, that was, that was definitely a low point because it's not about the money. It's not about the business failing. It's about humans. It's like, wait, like we got into this together. It's not worked out, but let's be human, you know, and, and, you know, trying tricks of intimidation on me to, you know, get me to agree to certain things. And, and I, it got solved by getting human again. Because people, when we get into fights and arguments and, and get and things come into a conflict, um, we don't we act like uh, reptiles. It's irrational. I just say the least. fight, fight, fight. Mm -hmm. Totally irrational. Uh, if I can, I, I would never ever want to um, you know put any negative light on anyone I've ever worked with. So I would never mention names or specific things that have, have happened. But one thing I can say, which is maybe quite nice, um, is when we're in the heat of this. Uh, sort of a battle. I got a call from my um, previous business partner's sister. She said, how is everything? How's everything going? When are you launching? And I'm like, oh, we're not launching. She's like, what? And she's like, I knew something was wrong because I haven't heard from my, my brother in two months. And I knew that there was something that he was not wanting to talk about. And then we went through this whole conversation of me explaining what's gone on. And she said, why didn't you call him? No, she said, w w what happened when you, spoke, when you spoke with him? I said, I haven't spoken with him. Why didn't you call him? I said, well, it's hard to call him when I'm getting legal notices for this, that, and the other. And I'm just being attacked at. And, and she said, I know him, and he's truly upset by this. And, you know, she just explained to me, like, he's a human, he's my brother, and he's upset because he thinks that you have, you know, gone that way when I think he's gone that way. It was a completely human thing. And she goes, pick up the phone and go and have a coffee with him. And I did, and we solved it. Wow, communication. And yeah, you know, when you put two, you know, he was an alpha dom on another level. I was a mini version of that. And we, were, we got on completely fine until we conflicted. And then it was like two balls rattling horns <laughs> together. And, you know, somebody's got to say, look, let's, I'll be the bigger man. Let's, let's, let's call it a day. You know, let's not take this to the bitter end. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it got solved by being human, but for, for a while it got very, uh, very upsetting because you, you just, um, you don't get into business to learn these things about people. You know, you, you get into business to get, go out and have successes and make money together. That's what entrepreneurship is. Right. But unfortunately you sometimes see the ugly side of people and, uh, uh it's not always their fault either. You know, it's um, absolutely, you know, yeah. I'm not pushing blame saying some people are horrible. It's like these situations can bring out um, the worst of people. And so that was definitely a, a low point in my career. And it was because of the human element of it. And um, how how do you pick up yourself when the chips are down? Because you're a very positive person. Like all we see like out there is like, obviously we see like the downsides, but how do you... How do you get the power to pick yourself up well, when you know, no one is around? Yeah, you know, it's actually the the, the bad times that drive me. Um, 
We, we all get motivated by different things. I wish I could get motivated by positive things. Like if I work hard, I can earn loads of money and I can buy a really nice car or, or you know, this will help me you out. Know, but I don't get motivated by that. I get motivated by things that piss me off. I get, and, and if I'm having a bad day, that's the day, right? And I have one a month, right? It's almost like, it's almost, it's almost like um, I'm PMSing, but I have one day where everything goes wrong and I get very, very upset when, when I, I take it a little bit personally if somebody says, look, we saw your show, but we decided not to proceed. I take it like, you don't believe in me. Yeah, you don't believe in what I do. You don't like what I'm creating. So it's, it's not just a product I'm putting out there because the product is me. So it gets, I do take it deeply. And when I, sometimes I get just everything fires back in at once and I just like, oh my God, like, you know, and, 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 and I have one day a month where things come crashing down, but that's, you know, that's one day. And then I, a few days later, I also have one day a month where 90% of the work gets done for the whole month. That's cool. Really? Yeah. Balance is the key. Yeah, and there's <laughs> usually one, one follows the other. So, so it's funny because most days I tick along and yeah. get, get certain things done and I'm just ticking along, pushing things along. But there'll be one day where I am just electric and I'll work from the moment I wake up to the moment I sleep and I'll be firing, 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 getting things going and everything is ignited from that day. That's cool. What does a typical day in the life you look like? Like what time are you getting up in the morning? What yeah. are, you, are you doing anything outside of work to like get your mind in the right place, workouts, this kind of ice baths, anything like this? Uh, yeah, so um, my days are, are very different on on most days. I, I wish I had a sort of routine. Routine. That's cool when you work for yourself. Yeah, it's it's, it's very different. I'm a, yeah. I'm a real routine gal. <laughs> oh, I love routine, but it but it it just doesn't work. It's not. It's the same, different elements that happen uh, throughout the day. I generally get up fairly early, um, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, something like that. I don't ever set an alarm. Um, I wake up when sleeping is done. Um, usually do. That's, that's the goal. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the goal really in nice. life. No, I realize the alarms just put you in a bad mood for the rest of the yeah. day. Yeah. Set your alarm before you go to bed. If you want to wake up at six in the morning, then you need to be in bed at 10, 10.30, right? Yeah. Which means set your alarm for 10 o'clock. Get yourself ready and, you know, you know, read a book or for half an hour, wind yourself down and by 10.30 you'll be asleep. So set your alarm to go to bed. That's how I do it. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, bit of exercise usually um, uh, in the morning. I do it in the morning. Breakfast, tidy my house completely. I don't like to start the day without the whole place being organized. So when I feel like, okay, we're organized at home, Let's get out and organize. Makes oh. you more creative, right? When everything's organized. Yeah. It also starts you in the process of, I'm going to do a job and I'm going to finish it. Yeah. Right? I'm going to, right, bed needs to be done. Make my bed. Nice, easy job. Finished. I can get in that later and it'll be comfortable. Got a few things to tidy up. Got some washing up to do. Small jobs, ticking them off. Now I get into work and the first thing I do is I write my list and now I'm in the process of ticking them off. And I work by tick lists. Uh, so that, that's how I do it. Um, you know, most days sending emails, making phone calls, trying to get sponsors on, trying to organize things, um, speaking with uh, Monday is, is the golden day. Uh, today's Monday. So, you know, I, I didn't exercise today cause I'm on phone calls. I'm mm -hmm. speak with my business partner, speak with my 
assistant producer, speak with Keith, my editor, and you know, just making sure, right, what's our plan this week? What what we got going on? Um, and then meetings I usually have in afternoons. Um, and the good thing about having flexibility is if anything kind of fun comes around, completely non um, non related to work, I can do it. So what I make sure, I don't go out looking for that, right? I don't say, right, it's the weekend, therefore um, <laughs> let's, get, let's do this, let's do that. Uh, unless something great's come around, I'll work on the weekend, right? Use the time when I have it to work. After this podcast, I'm going on a boat party. <laughs> on a Monday, <laughs> on how a nice. Mo- on a Monday. That's so cool. But, you know, <laughs> I would feel guilty about that if I'd done that also on the weekend. So I do it when it's there, the opportunity, oh, this is going to be great. My friends organized it. Everything's paid for. We've got some other friends coming. It's going to be great. Um, I'll, I'll do it then and there. If it happened to be on a Tuesday morning, I do it then and there as well. So so the fun things, I don't have to plan them because they come around. Um, so I, I, I don't tend to work by uh, a normal working week. Uh, and have all my fun stuff on the weekend and all my, um, you know, work stuff on the week. I just take the fun stuff when it's there. But again, I think it took you a lot of years to get to this point. Um, how, you, how long has the show been running? Uh, I think we launched it in 2018, January. So um, whatever that is, that right. six years. Yeah. Right. yeah, so six years. But you stopped in COVID, right? So um, Well, we, 20, didn't, we yeah. didn't completely stop, stop filming. Mm-hmm. But we we then focused on what we could focus on, which was the distribution. That's when we yeah. got Amazon Prime on. That's when we got a whole load of other channels on. We got, I think, six new airlines that year. So I focused on what we could do. Um, so actually, that was very good for us. Because then when we went back to filming in 2021, we had the most successful thing, the most successful period we've ever had. And we made a lot of money. And, and, and it was because of what we had planted in the year before. We spoke offline about like looking back and all these things and writing down to all these lists. I think uh, it's it's good to uh, say that so that the, the audience or the listeners can at least like get something from it, which is I think it's very inspirational. I think it's a must for all of us. Yeah. It, yeah, the list. Like, the you list. Know, yeah. Yeah, look, we all work different ways. Yeah. I work by lists. Um, that's just my way of doing it. Um, um, I, I try and take a moment rather than to just get doing Because when we do, we don't think, Mm -hmm. right? To take a little bit of time just to think, right? Um, And quite, I'm always feel the urgency when I when I think of something to put on the list. I'm like, oh, better do that now. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Keep thinking and flesh out your list more. And once I've fleshed it out more, then put it in order, right? What's the what's the most critical thing? I want to get the the quick things done Mm -hmm. quickly, but also the time sensitive stuff done early on. Um, and then I sometimes find that I leave the big task to end, which often doesn't get done, which is also a I, I'm like that. I have to do all the little things first. Yeah. I can't concentrate on the big thing. If yeah. it's like, even if it's like the most tiny, like go and print this, that has yeah. to be done, yeah. even though it can wait a week. Yeah. If there's something Honestly. really, really important, I, I try and sort of say, right, I'm getting up tomorrow morning and I'm not having breakfast until I've finished it. And I really like breakfast. So, <laughs> so, so I, I will just try and get it done, you know, just work hard at it, be focused, be, you know, cause that's what you need to be. You've got to create that urgency, even if there isn't the urgency, but you can't move on to the next thing until it's done. So there has to be that urgency. 
When you started and you had the whole vision for what you wanted to achieve, do you think you've hit that yet? Uh, I think um, when I, um, what I had as a vision when I started, I'm, I'm kind of You're ki- kind of there now. Kind How of does there. that feel? Yeah, it's very good. Do you like take time to like reflect on that or? Certainly, certainly. I, when I'm, uh, when I'm on shoots, um, not only do I take time to reflect, but I'm always saying to my camera guys and, and the guys that work with me, my sound guy, I always just take just a moment and I guess, hey, isn't this fucking cool? I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but like, yeah. there's like three year olds listening to us. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> They'll get a lot from that. Um, so I, I, uh, I, you know, because they too often get work, 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 work. And I'm just like, no, let's take a minute. Like, we're living it. We're right here. Isn't this cool? Um, so, yeah, de- definitely. I'd, I, I try and be in the moment as much as I can uh, because, you know, filming it, sometimes you, Take yourself out of the moment and you, you're you thinking about how to film it, all this stuff, and it can get, you know, you're problem solving, you know, but that's not living the moment. So I try and make sure that we, we balance it a little bit. I'm very keen that's not to nice. hold you up from your boat party that you have this afternoon. So yeah. <laughs> do you have any advice for someone who is either, I don't know, struggling in their current job, not feeling passion for what they're currently doing, maybe, you know, have has plans to start their own content stream or something like that. Yeah, look, I think the basis for a really good trajectory of a career is starting with what you're passionate about. So if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you've got to change. It has to be, it might be uncomfortable, but you've got to change. If you don't know what you're passionate about, maybe you need to change anyway, because sometimes finding what you're passionate about is actually First of all, eliminating what you're not passionate about. You know, if you're not passionate about what you're doing right now, then you're in the wrong place. If you, even if you don't know where the right place is, but if you change, you might might uncover some ideas. You might learn more about yourself. And um, you know, finding what you're passionate about is is an internal discovery of 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 who you are. So, so you need to go through experiences in order to do that. And those might be work experiences, but they might not be. It might be um, uh, personal things. It might be an adventure. Might be uh, might be something very bad happening to you um, that that gets you to think differently. So, but you're not going to come to that realization by doing the same thing. So you've got to move. Um, if they want to get into content creation, um, you know it's very easy these days, and there's a lot of people doing it. So, um, again, it doesn't make sense if you're not passionate about it. Right. You, you've got to figure out what is what is something you've got to not think about your next 30 episodes. You've got to think about what am I going to, what am I going to create episode 250? You know, am I still going to enjoy it? Are there still going to be things I want to talk about and, you know, or things that I want to do? Um, because that's where you've got to get to. You've got to get build that, you know. Um, so. So, you know, and if people can see that far down the line and, and be able to, you know, keep creating up until that point, then why not give it a go? You know, um, it, it's good fun. You know, something I thought about this morning, um, one of these sort of shower moments um, <laughs> is, you know, I was just looking at, um, I think it was Keith Richards' birthday. It popped up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. He's 80. He's still a guitarist, right? He's 80 now. Yeah. And, and, you know, looking back at, at the Rolling Stones when they were young. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they've, they've created a, 
um, legends out of themselves, but they've created a legacy. Their, their music will stay on. And, and, and I thought, well, I suppose in a similar way, my videos will stay on. And maybe I should not think about these as necessarily just things that I want to do, but think about something that I'm going to leave behind after I die. And then it gets me thinking, well, I should really put the best I can into all of these. Because, you know, if you make something really great, that's, that is your Rolling Stones album. That's what people will live listening to for the, rest of the, you know, for the rest of time. And I thought, you know, if, I think, if you start thinking about it as being that permanent, even more permanent than you, so I'm, I'm going to leave the planet one day. My God, the podcast <laughs> right? is going to live forever. It will. It's yeah. going to be there. So it's, it will be. Well, you guys have I've already seen. You like guys that. have already seen the growth since you've started. Yeah. But if you stop now and leave it there, it's going to. That content's going to be out there for everybody, and maybe it will even reignite sometime. People, are like, wow, remember, remember, listen to how topical this is. And, and this is the thing we were just talking about, like the, the seven thousand years ago, yeah. they didn't have this medium yeah. where now everything's accessible. There we go. It's all in the cloud. Yeah. When people write history, uh, history documentaries about what they were doing 2000 years ago in 2024. <laughs> um, Twerking. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, they found this kind of dance. It's like, what? <laughs> Re reignite a whole trend again. Um, so yeah. So I then thought, you know, I guess in one way or form, whether it was big or small, this is going to be what, what I leave behind after I die is, is something. And, and then it gets me thinking, well, you know, should make, uh, make uh, as much as I can out of those. Or well, that's my alarm telling it's me I should. It's your boat party yeah, now. Yeah, that's my boat party alarm. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I love it so much. That's so, that's so cool. <laughs> Well, well, that's a good point to leave on. on. Yeah, on that note, if anyone wants to follow you, watch your stories, how can they find you? Well, the easiest way is on social media. Um, Paris Norris. Uh, in Norris, it's two R's and two S's, but Paris, like the city. So you can follow me on, on there. That I put all little short bits up there. Um, but you can also watch my show, Guy in Dubai, on uh, Dubai TV, Amazon Prime. Um, and it's on most airlines nowadays. So, uh, and also look out for Guy in the Sky, which will be really soon, which is our travel show. Can't wait Amazing. for that. So exciting. Paris, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paris, for your time. Now off to boat party. Yeah. We appreciate you. Gotta go. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wow. That was... 530 is 100% organically handcrafted by Chris Dabu and Sophie Ryan. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and participate in Q&As on Spotify. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to 530 on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or where awesome podcasts are available. This has been a 530 production.